0: Within the outdoors, we have strong traditions of enthusiasts coming together within clubs to engage in activity with one another. That's coming together on the basis of respect for one another as fellow enthusiasts, with each committed to working in a collaborative manner over decisions about what to do and how to do it. Clubs end up facilitating activity. Club programs and club arrangements tend to be very loose as those who get involved do so as fellow members, in ways which recognise that ultimately, everyone involved takes equal responsibility for their own involvement. This builds on a foundational principle that to a willing person, injury is not done. In practice, choosing to get involved with club activity is most commonly about members having confidence in one another. That's not confidence in everyone having great skills, but confidence in the commitment each is willing to make to see things through together. It's confidence in things being seen through in ways which reflect shared expectations and confidence that each can bring enough to the party to make those expectations reasonable. For those with more experience and expertise, The commitment involved in joining in club activity with less experienced fellow members does commonly mean increased duty of care. The flip side is the responsibility this places on everyone else, to give due weight to the judgement of their more experienced fellow members. The most valuable people in such groups are commonly those with a knack to getting expectations more or less aligned. Trying to pin down the art of running a successful club is a forlorn hope. The challenges come from what each fellow member brings to the party and ultimately clubs are voluntary associations of enthusiasts. So where issues arise, finding solutions by anything other than finding agreement or at least agreement to disagree is rarely feasible. This goes back to the above principle that to a willing person injury is not done. As a rule, if anything is going to derail a club, it will be initiated with the best of intentions. No case is typical, but we often end up able to identify at least one member in the club who has come to identify himself or herself as a rescuer, as the one who can ensure that what everyone else does is going to be okay. The danger, of course, is that this leads to unhealthy, potentially destructive Cultures of codependence. What does a rescuer most commonly see members of a club as needing rescuing from? That will vary, but it's commonly some aspect of members taking responsibility for personal involvement. This might happen for any number of reasons, but the most common is perhaps an understandable enthusiasm for ensuring club activity is secured against external criticism and that committee members are not going to be held accountable if anything goes wrong. Sadly, those who dive in as rescuers do tend to end up shaping club cultures in which national governing bodies get cast as persecutors. This happens in all manner of clubs, and the tendency is towards a club culture in which individuals cannot be respected as independent until the rescuer has trained and assessed to ensure compliance with criteria laid down by the persecuting national governing body. If the national governing body gets defended, it tends to be negatively by suggesting it has no alternative due to the expectations of insurance companies or of some faceless health and safety bogeyman. Without anyone having any ill intent, we can all too easily end up transitioning from a wonderfully vibrant club culture which is engaging and entirely positive into something which may be sustained by the energy of the rescuer, but in ways which are ultimately at odds with what we value so highly. Even in mild cases, we tend to see enthusiasts disengage and a tendency towards learned helplessness and codependency. In extreme cases, the results can be truly toxic. Fortunately, most outdoor clubs survive occasional temptations towards a destructive drama triangle, not least because ordinary everyday enthusiasts are so strongly steeped in the rather stronger culture and traditions of the outdoors. In these traditions, those ordinary members who might be cast as victims tend to be seen as creative problem solvers And more experienced club members tend to simply see themselves as having a guide-by-the-side role of accompanying respected fellow members on their independent journeys. Does that mean we can simply stop being concerned about how our clubs operate to meet their duty of care obligations and the rest? Of course not. Avoiding the temptation to respond in a destructive way just avoids a dead end. And doing nothing is just a recipe for us locking ourselves into our pasts in ways which leave no space for innovation and development. What's needed? Mostly efforts to get more enthusiasts, getting more curious about where they would like to make small but positive changes. That's not changes to get everyone to a predetermined endpoint, determined by others, but changes which are going to have an impact because they are freely chosen and arise naturally from the reflections of those who live, day in, day out, with the realities of a particular club's resources and constraints. Roll on an enlightened era in which clubs feel energised by knowing that their national governing bodies back club members as the experts in what is appropriate for their clubs in which members are treated as grown-ups who can assess their own training needs in which all concerned feel part of a wider community committed to seeing club cultures evolve from the grassroots upwards.